Increase our faith, say the disciples. Wouldn't it be great if you could just order up some extra faith? If we could just say, supersize me, like some folks do at McDonald's, and get more faith instead of more french fries. Jesus has been pushing the disciples pretty hard for several chapters in Luke, ever since the end of chapter 9, when Jesus turns and sets his face to go to Jerusalem, Jesus has made it clear that the road ahead is tough, perhaps deadly, and he's going to stay on it. He's just finished telling the disciples that they, too, need to stay the course. The disciples are overwhelmed. They're exhausted. And the verses just preceding our passage today, Jesus says that there will be times when the disciples will need to forgive someone over and over again. That's a tough one. That's when they ask for more faith. Supersize us, Jesus. Increase our faith. If they could just have more, more fuel, more juice, more faith, maybe they could meet Jesus' expectations. If they just had enough faith. Every once in a while you'll run into someone who says, if you only had enough faith, You could do anything. Get the job, get the girl, keep your loved one from dying of cancer. The problem is that when you don't get the job or don't get the girl or your loved one dies, then it's your fault. You failed. You failed the test of faith. This is not only cruel, it's magical thinking. And it isn't what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is thinking about faith in a very different way. First, Jesus says if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could order a mulberry tree to transplant itself into the ocean. Why a mulberry tree in the ocean? The point is that it is absurdly impossible. But the meaning of this passage turns on the original Greek, which says if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, and you do, So Jesus is saying, you can do this absurdly impossible thing. You have enough faith. With the little faith they have, the disciples can do things they never, ever would have imagined. Planting a tree in the middle of the ocean or forgiving each other. In other words, the disciples don't need more faith. They need to make use of the faith that they already have. Then Jesus gives us a second story, a parable. Imagine that you are a master with slaves. Do you thank your slaves for doing what they're supposed to do? Of course not, says Jesus. You expect them just to keep on doing it. And then he switches perspectives. Imagine that you're the slave. Do you expect reward for just doing what you're supposed to do? Of course not. Now this sounds a little harsh to 21st century Californians who hand out trophies to kids for just showing up. Maybe Jesus' culture was more like Bangladesh, where my younger daughter and her husband are teaching. My daughter reports that in Bangladesh, the economy seems to be built on paying people to do simple things that most of us would do for ourselves. This is true not only of the few privileged people in Bangladesh, but pretty much everyone else as well. 
the bicycle rickshaw drivers pay someone to wash their vehicles. No one expects to carry his own bags out of the grocery store. And my daughter has noticed that her students rarely say thank you. It may be due partly to the fact that even though Bangladesh is a Muslim country, they have a caste-like system, the way India does. But it's also that in that culture, when people are just doing their jobs, paying them for it is enough. Jesus uses the Greek word that can be translated either as slave or servant. Rest assured that Jesus is not endorsing slavery here. He's just describing life as the disciples know it. So add these two thoughts together. First, if you have only a speck of faith, and you do, you'll be able to do unimaginable things. And second, stop accepting, expecting someone to make a fuss when you do what you're supposed to be doing. This is Jesus' message to his disciples. Stop worrying about whether you have enough faith and get to the business at hand. At the church I served in San Francisco, one of the other associate pastors proposed that the fellowship committee be renamed the discipleship committee. This was pretty uniformly greeted with a negative reaction. Me? A disciple? Being a disciple sounded pretty daunting. And I think many folks in the church may feel the same way, just like the original disciples. Sometimes it seems like a lot of work being a good Christian, doesn't it? Too many people need our help. Too many causes need our money. Too many injustices need our voices and our actions. And it's just plain hard to love your neighbor all the time. I felt personally tested on that one this week with what's going on in Washington. Many folks in the church feel overwhelmed by the demands that are being placed on them or that they feel are being placed on them, not sure whether they're up to the task and wondering what they signed on for. But what Jesus is saying is that faith isn't about perfecting yourself. It isn't about becoming a super apostle, becoming better than someone else. Faithfulness is simply doing what we see needs to be done. Faith doesn't have to be heroic. Maybe faith doesn't even have to be particularly religious. Maybe faith is just being attentive to the needs around us and committing ourselves to doing what we can with what we've got, trusting that God will make use of it. That sounds pretty ordinary. But even the simplest things done in faith can have a huge impact. Imagine for a moment, if you were asked to take stock of all the good things that you did this past week in all your roles as employers or employees, students, parents, citizens, volunteers, and more. Kind words, help offered, courtesy extended, but also just doing what it is you know you need to do it would add up very quickly to a mountain of good works. And then imagine what the week would have looked like if all those things hadn't been done. 
if we subtracted them from the planet over the last week, the world would be a grimmer place today. Then imagine what the world would look like next week if fresh with the sense that even our ordinary acts are being used by God to care for God's world, all the Christians who gather around the Lord's table today all over the world felt empowered and commissioned to do even more. Sometimes even ordinary faith can be pretty extraordinary. Last week, Anne Lamott compared the government shutdown to the alcoholic uncle at a family holiday who's been threatening to do something rash every time he gets drunk, and he finally goes and does it. He finally does some bizarre, bullying, irrational act that he's been threatening to do for a while. How does the family even begin to deal with the havoc that he's caused? Get him to bed, she says. He's on his own now. We can love him later. In the meantime, she writes, the praying people pray. Someone sweeps, the children and the elderly are fed and comforted. The kids go off to school. Everyone pitches in to help clean up. And since we're not going to figure this out today, and since figure it out is not a good slogan, let's do what we've always done. We'll stick together and get the thirsty people a glass of water. I'll remember the sticker I saw once of Coco, the sign language gorilla, above the words, the law of the American jungle. Remain calm and share your bananas. <laughs> I'm going to fill a box of warm clothes and take it to the Goodwill. This is going to be a terribly cold winter for the poor, what with the sequestration and God only knows what the shutdown adds to that. I'm going to pick up litter. I'll send some money to one of America's hunger projects. I'll pray and pray and pray all day that we'll all pitch in to help our most vulnerable and that we'll help each other keep the faith and our senses of humor. Remember, laughter is carbonated holiness. I swear to you, it is. That is faith. That is what faith looks like. Last Sunday during announcements at the beginning of the service, I always describe our congregation, and last week I described our congregation as being something like Home Depot, whose slogan is, you can do it, we can help. <laughs> you do not get more faith by closing your eyes, trying really hard to feel or believe something, or by clicking the heels of your ruby slippers together. More faith comes through faithful living. You can do it. We can help. And your faith will be increased, not as a personal achievement, but as a gift of God. May it be so for you and for me.